welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you very much, big boys in the sky. We are back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. The 2018 season preview is in full swing. Chip Patterson here, Barton Simmons. Barton, one of the first... Uh, one of the first tasks that we had when uh, when we got together on this podcast a year ago was to knock out win totals, and I think that in doing so, we found uh, a real niche for uh, discovering some of our biggest questions about the season in trying to decide, you know, how these conferences are going to shake out. Um, you know, sort sort of getting a good landscape, and so I'm I've been looking forward to this for a while now. It's uh, it's good to be back. So making making some bold predictions that are sure to go sideways like three weeks into the year. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good way to get into the season and and sort of dive in while also uh, providing some money making opportunities out there. Oh yeah, uh, you know I think we made some money last year. I think we, like so the, the two I remember being really bullish on were Mississippi State and South Carolina, uh, and those both hit on overs. Correct. And I, I don't, I, you know, I, so we'll have to sort of really give, as we go through this, we'll, we'll have to be clear about what our sort of locks are, because there's certainly some I'm not as, as, as confident on. Uh, but this is, I think, my favorite way to dig into the, the conference previews is by actually uh, gambling. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, and to, to pull the curtain back a little bit, I know that we had tossed, thrown it around, but I, I feel like once we get through, uh, we'll do a one, each power five conference, we'll get an episode and then we will do another one where we tackle Notre Dame and some of the prominent group of five schools. But then once we get those six win totals episodes out of the way, I think that it'll be time to reconvene the syndicate for, uh, and that can be like somehow like our first locks of the year. Oh, our, our lock, our lock uh, win totals of the year. Yeah. All right, that works for me. Okay, because we, because yeah, and then like we'll be down in, uh, we'll be down in Fort Lauderdale doing some some team stuff, and so that'll be another good opportunity to uh, to link up. Maybe we'll knock it out down there. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Okay, so uh, we begin in the Pac-12, and I want to start by asking you, Barton, what was your uh, general approach to this, just so that uh, there's full transparency with the fans. We're trying to get them so get them good money making opportunities, good values. You know, what was your approach to this in terms of uh, making your calls over or under on all these win totals? So we do something for 24/7 Sports called Barton Makes Picks, where we we put together Facebook video uh, team by team, where I predict the outcome for the season, game by game, literally predict every game that the, that the team plays. And last year I caught some some flack because I would sort of do it off the cuff and and everyone was basically eight and four last year. Like I just they're all eight and four. And so didn't like was, anybody enough to, <laughs> to, to go through and give them uh, 10 to 12 wins. But right. And yeah. you never, you know, you never, you know, never threw a six and six on. It was just, you know, I so I, I decided this year, look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to take that kind of flack. I'm going to go and I'm actually going to pick these games and have them correlate across the board to the other the other seasons I picked. So I went ahead and took that to this. I I, I went through the Pac-12 
and my my win totals are going to be reflective of of an actual season taking place and where I picked every game and every you know every win every loss and so it should it should all fit together and make sense. I don't think that's the way you have to do win totals because I think there's a lot of situations where you can say, look, I don't think this team is going to win all three of this stretch, but they're going to win two of the three. I don't know which one they're going to lose, but I just don't see them finishing out that stretch perfect, whatever. So I don't think that's a mandatory way to, to, to pick a win total is actually picking their season game by game. But that happens to be the way I did it, and uh, I feel okay about my, my list. What the, was your process? My, my process was a little bit closer to that where I, I start out and I, I sort of pick the games on the polar opposites. These are the ones that uh, I feel like are wins. These are the ones that I feel like are losses. And then in the idea that a toss-up game is considered a 50-50, I, I would probably I would go through and try to award uh, about half of those toss-up games as wins and half of those toss-up games as losses. And for you know some of the best teams in the country, there might be you know eight, nine, maybe even ten games that I felt like were certain wins with two toss-ups. So then all of a sudden I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, eleven and one that that doesn't seem that crazy. Um, you know, I I feel like a certain team probably is going to lose has the opportunity to lose at some point based on this particular stretch i don't know which of these three games it's going to be um so that you know you sort of almost like a process of elimination so i do end up trying to keep uh some consistency with the toss-up game so that's where i fall a little bit more into uh, your bucket is that if i decide that for example um arizona is going to have the leg up on arizona state then that is going to be reflected both in Arizona and Arizona State's win total. And in the Pac-12 with the nine-game conference schedule, you do have a lot of ripple effects when you start making those decisions. I got six overs. I got six overs, and I've got six unders or pushes. Uh, two of my, I got two pushes. One is a push over, one is a push under. But uh, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty fair that's balanced. Pretty fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think for the for the ACC, I think this one I might be six and six or seven and five, and then for the ACC, I was eight and six. But I kind of felt okay with that because the ACC you get four non cons, and a lot of them yeah. load up on the uh, more cupcakey non cons. But this today's not about the ACC. Today's about the Pac twelve. So Barton, are you ready to dive into twenty eighteen win totals? Jingle me up, Chip. Count them up! Count them up! Count them up! How many games are gonna win this fall? How many games are gonna win this fall? That's right. Oh yes, it's oh, it's win total season. Oh, that's so awesome! I'm so ready. God, I was uh, you know. Once that beat dropped, I was, I, I was, I thought I was ready. I wasn't ready. You weren't ready until that beat dropped. <laughs> um, all right, I got two ways to play this. You get to call. We can start at the the high end of the win total and work our way down, or we can go alphabetical. Or we could each just start picking out teams that we find are interesting in the Pac-12 because I think we got less. We won't get too lost. Let's go. Let's go top. Uh, you know, top numbers, biggest numbers on down. Washington. Uh, we're, we're talking about this at 10 and a half number, uh, you know, pot potentially going to fluctuate the, the juice when we, when we took it um, from the early releases from the Westgate had under at minus minus one twenty, over 
with a with an even payout there. Who knows what that's going to be at uh, you know the local institutions, but I think ten and a half. Uh, that's a, that's a great number to start the discussion on the Washington Huskies, and uh, I want to I want to throw this at you, Barton. We've we've both been bullish on Washington at times in this podcast, and now as we enter the season with Jake Browning back, with Miles Gaskin back, uh, they did a lot to try and make sure that while they lost Jonathan Smith, the offensive coordinator to head coach at Oregon State. They they paid up to make sure that the defensive staff uh, was going to be able to stay together. I'm looking at Washington, and I'm looking at no other teams in the Pac-12 that have a win total within two wins of the Huskies, and it almost feels a big picture like a, a no-win season for Washington. Like they're either going to make the college football playoff or it's going to be considered a disappointment. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, this team doesn't have – many holes i know they got to replace some things on defense um but i don't know god this is it's this is a weird this is a weird team for me because i first of all i've been on washington like right. you mentioned like this I, I i picked them in the college football playoffs each of the past two years and this is the year where they probably have the best team they've had and somehow somehow for some reason I'm just really scared to pull the trigger on them for another playoff prediction. I think the the good news or bad news or whatever for for the Washington is look you'll know what the win total is going to like like if they win week 1 against Auburn, they're hitting the over. They're not going to lose they're not going to lose two more games the rest of the season if they beat Auburn in week 1. Do you agree with that? I what is what does it look like behind Jake Browning? Because we don't it's, have Jacob Eason yet. No, but it's solid. I mean, they've got they've got a a sort of classic uh, Peterson quarterback and Jake Hayner, who's sort of a a Kellen Moore type. Not a not you know he's six foot. He's not doesn't doesn't have a, a ton of um, a ton of arm talent, but he's a scratch golfer. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. he, he you know the type of guy that you know he'll pick up a wiffle ball bat and he'll be the best guy on the, in the you know, in the, in the playground, um, just he'll get it, he'll figure it out. So, and I think that's all they really ask of their quarterbacks right now, or that's, that's all they have asked of them. I a hundred percent agree. So I'm not worried about like if Jake, if Jake Browning goes down necessarily, cause I don't think Jake, like to me, Jake Browning is, is in some ways the, like the Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ask Jake Browning to win you a football game, that's you're in, you're in trouble. Like that's they're, they're, the the reason that I, I that Washington has a ceiling on it right now is because if they get in the college football playoffs and they're playing against Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or someone of that ilk, Jake Browning can't make those throws that that you need him to make to beat a team like that. So that's not my concern. I, my my concern for that with them is. I'll, I'm just I'm just say what my prediction is. I got him under. Woo! At ten and two, I got him at ten and two because I have him losing to Auburn. Yeah, you know they're going into SEC country. Auburn is Auburn's legit. Auburn's defensive line is going to be among the best in the country. I just think that that I don't know. I, I I'm just picking Auburn in that game, and then and then I'm assuming through the rest of the schedule. You know whether it's you remember last year they lose seven to thir- thirteen to seven to Arizona State like kind of this 
inexplicable just egg game. Oh yeah, and like with and that one uh, game against Arizona State is really the only regular season blemish that we have in terms of like a bad performance in the last two to three years. Right. And and so that's I may be even may, being too cynical to think that there's another one of those in them. But like I I I picked them on my schedule. I picked them losing at Cal. Mm. So like that's that's the week before Stanford. The the Pac-12 North is about to be on the line, but they but they kind of there's an opportunity to overlook Cal. And I think Cal's going to be good this year. And I just I just don't. And it's not anything about that one game that I feel like is just this major stumbling block i just see the pac-12 having enough parity to where it's it's just it's going to be tricky for them to just cruise through it so i don't i I, again it's about you know what do you think is going to happen in that auburn game right can then then can they just go undefeated the rest of the year um so i've got washington beating auburn in that game okay uh and it goes back to boise state georgia 2010 or 2009 maybe 2011, I think it's the 2011 uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta. Chris Peterson brings Boise State in. Georgia's wearing those Power Ranger red and black uniforms. Uh, it was a year that everybody was really excited about the Bulldogs, and, and Boise State just came out, and they made that game really uncomfortable. And that's, that's where my, my bet on... Uh, Washington to win that game is is a Chris Peterson bet, but yeah. but then I do think they're going to take one. So my pick is over. I've I've got Washington at eleven and one, and then to to go back to the idea of the toss up games, I I'm actually looking at uh, two road games where I think that Washington could stumble. Uh, the first is going to be at Oregon in Autzen, in what will uh, I'm expecting will be a huge atmosphere where Justin Herbert he's like Justin Herbert against Jake Browning. I mean, there's no question the quarterback advantage goes to the ducks, right? Oh yeah. No Big question. time. And so yeah. I, I think the Oregon game in Austin is going to be really, really tough. The other one's Utah. And I, I, I don't know this and we can, you know, we'll, we'll get to them in a little bit, but I, I think that Utah does not have a team that's going to make a college football playoff or a PAC 12 championship run. But I think Utah's team, uh, and this isn't that different or crazy to say based on what we've seen from them in recent years. I just think that you, bet- between Oregon and Utah, both those games being on the road, I think Washington loses one of those. But again, I'm going, I'm going Washington over Auburn in uh, in that opener, and so I'm going over Washington eleven and one. And if they've got the Auburn win, and this is the other fun thing about the college football playoff picture, like. College football playoff selection committee is going to love that Auburn win. Oh, if they have, yeah. Suddenly, if they have the Auburn win, they can absorb a loss, maybe. Right. And they've got a yeah. Like that's that they'll be they'll be in uncharted territory where they can, they you know they actually can have a blemish and and still got a shot uh, as opposed to just needing to you know not only just win every game but almost dominate every game for people to believe. Right. So I, um, I I'm, I'm I'm listen. It's again. It feels like a no win. Uh, season where Washington's going to be fighting uh, the perception of the Pac-12, 
Uh, they're going to be fighting the classic, you know, the the biases of not being able to to get in front of the eyes of, of a lot of the, the college football fans that are rabble rousers. And certainly, you know, it's going to be a challenge for the selection committee to give them the same spotlight that they're going to be getting that they would be getting uh, if they were an East Coast team. But if they if they can win in Atlanta, I don't know, man, Washington college yeah. football playoff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about Auburn. And I will say this too, we'll get to Utah, but but every time I was looking at schedules, when I saw at Utah, I was really tempted to throw that L down there for every team that I looked at in the past right? well. Because that that's a that's a scary place with uh, this Utah team. So All right. So we got Barton going under, Chip going over. We moved down the line to USC. Eight and a half wins here. Um we, we mentioned them a little bit in our, our last podcast at least in the terms of you know like usc you said usc's uh the guys around usc say it's not even a secret anymore jt daniels true freshman reclassified doesn't matter guys guys got maturity guys got you know the skill set he he's gonna be out here they got a great set of wide receivers um my my question for you is how do you feel about this usc team on the defensive line i like them at linebacker i know they've been recruiting well in the defensive backfield D-line is a big concern for me right now. I like them up front. I mean, Brandon Peely is is a star for them, uh, a true sophomore that was really impactful last year as a true freshman. But they've also got Marlon Tui Pelotu, who is who was a imp, like was a borderline starter last year, beginning of the season as a true freshman who got hurt. So now he's back, you know, still holding on to a redshirt season. Um, so last year, twenty what is it? Twenty seventeen recruiting class. They had a sick defensive line haul, and now these guys are all redshirt freshmen and sophomores. So in the middle, they're they're in good shape, and then they've got some experience um, around them in terms of some some older guys that have played. I just like they have one of the best linebacking cores in the country. Um, their secondary is solid. Um, they have some big names, but I don't know that they're like, I don't know that they're, you know, first round draft picks in the secondary. Um, so I think defensively, I'm I feel pretty good about them. And, and so to me, it's just about like how quickly does JT Daniels look like, look like not just a competent starter but a good starter, right? Um, but man, like, he he catches it on the chin early. That's in September. Yeah, that's a – I mean, UNLV is a W, but then they got at Stanford, at Texas, um, you know, Washington State, and then at Arizona. That's a – that's a, hey, brother, uh, I hope you're – you know, this ain't high school anymore. I mean, this is – this is we're going to get going quick. Um, so, agreed. I mean, I, I've i got them at over. Ooh. I, but at I've nine and three, a, I, I was a little bit surprised to see that number eight and eight and a half. I just figured that the USC um, brand would generate a little bit more enthusiasm for a higher number. But I got them at nine and three. I got them at eight and four. I'm going with the under here. Okay, um, so where where do you see the hiccups, and and what are you what's your like? I think that they could enter their bye week with three or four losses, and I think that if you're talking about a team that's going to enter a early October with three or four losses with an over-under where they can only sustain three, and then you're talking about uh, going down the rest of the stretch, hoping that they have full health, 
for a team that has not had great injury luck over the last three or four years. True. Um, you know, they like it. It's hard to um, so, sometimes it's hard to be able to, especially in the college football playoff era. It's it's hard to be able to point to successes that didn't end in competing for a national championship. But like you, USC just won the Pac-12 championship for the first time in a long time. Like to imagine that there might be a little step back, I don't think is that crazy. And it just for a, someone who's used to seeing, uh, you know, Pete Carroll's USC, it, it might be hard to wrap your head around that. But Clay Helton, you know, from the the Rose Bowl to last year, getting to the Pac-12 championship game, winning the Pac-12 championship game, like the the steps to success in in making USC a consistent top five program, you know. They're not there yet. They're making those steps, but in the cycle of a program building, I just I I think that eight and four seems more likely than nine and three. Those were the two ones that I was I was going between, and the how tough it is early for a young new starting quarterback was ultimately the decision that had me thinking that eight and four is more likely than nine and three. So this is where I it's either a gift or it's a curse that like it's either like a a too, too, uh, enough information to be dangerous kind of deal for me where like I'm so f- I'm, I'm familiar with their recruiting classes to the point where when I look at their offense and I see Stephen Carr at running back, I see Tyler Vaughn's at receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman. Um, I see their offensive line, Austin Jackson, a former five-star, steps into the left tackle role this year as a sophomore. Chuma Doga from Georgia, who was, is one of the most athletic offensive linemen in the country. I see a, a defense that's got Porter Gustin healthy again. Those defense alignment I just talked about, Cameron Smith in the middle. Like, they've got everything except for a quarterback. And I think they've got a quarterback. I just, I don't, he just might not be ready right from the jump. And there's no depth behind him. And so I'm looking at their schedule and I say, all right, they beat UNLV. I've got them losing at Stanford. I've got them losing at Texas. And so, all right, they're one and two to start the season. Whatever. Clay Helton's been here before. Uh, beat Washington, go and or beat Washington State. Go and beat Arizona at Arizona. Now they've got now they're three and two, hitting a bye week, settle themselves a little bit. And now I think like you look at the rest of their schedule: Colorado, Utah, Arizona State, Oregon State, Cal, UCLA, Notre Dame. Which of those games scares you with the roster the USC has? Uh, so, what about that Arizona game? I mean, that, yeah, that's a that's a. I'm not, I, 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 I I chalk that up as a win, but that's certainly no given. Right. But at the same time, I still think that that USC is a more talented team than Arizona, and and there's no reason to think that. Like, I bet you USC's favored in that game. Uh, yeah, I would bet USC's favored in that game. I think that, uh, like, part of my idea that this is going to be. Did you have them at nine and three, or are you going to take them all the way to ten and two? No, I got them nine and three. Okay, because I, 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 this is one I, I picked. Uh, I picked a loss at Utah. Yeah, of course. So I'm telling you, I, yeah, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't resist. I, I, I think that it, w- it might be one of those years where the the win total is not super impressive, but you know, if they lose to Texas, lose to Notre Dame, lose to Stanford, but then you know beat Utah, Utah takes a couple L's. Like USC could be eight and four at the end of the year. 
and still playing for the Pac-12 championship. And that's where I right, go back which is to sort the, of what USC's been, isn't it? Isn't right, that like right, yeah. It's like disappointing, disappointing year, but here they are in the Pac-12 championship game. Right, and so I know that's hard to um, to swallow as a as a USC fan who wants to see your team eleven and one or in the top four of the college football playoff rankings. But you know, I, again, I I still I'm, I don't think it's a consolation prize to be winning Pac-12 championships because even the Pac-12 championships weren't there for a while. Fair. Um, all right. You want to go to – oh, Oregon. Tasty. Eight and a half. <laughs> uh, what do you, you go first on this one? I'm curious th- I'm curious what you think on, on Oregon here. I'm, I'm very, very aggressively behind Justin Herbert. Uh, I'm over. Okay. I'm over on the, uh, on the call. And I think the fact that they've got Stanford and Washington both playing in Eugene – is like they'll get one of those um and you know depending on what stanford is and, and you know, we'll get to them here shortly but you know they, they could win both of those now i don't think that uh oregon i don't feel confident enough in oregon defensively to say that this is going to be um you know a college football playoff crasher but i like the fact that jim levitt played a lot of young guys last year and I like the idea that a lot of those young players are going to have the opportunity to, you know, continue to develop. And if if we see some steps forward there, then, you know, this is this is a team that because they kept Marcus Arroyo, because they kept Jim Levitt, like I I don't think that Mario Cristobal uh, was my A plus hire of the season, but I think that the decisions elsewhere and the way things came together uh, have me feeling like Oregon could go out and finish nine and three. I got a nine and three. I'm with you. I'm on the over. Uh, the Pac-12 is interesting because between Oregon, Arizona, you know, you, you know, even Cal to a certain degree, like there, there, there's a lot of true freshmen that played a lot of meaningful minutes last year, last season. Yes, absolutely. So you look across this roster for, for Oregon I don't know, Johnny Johnson, true freshman that played last year, D'Amador Lenore, Nick Pickett, Thomas Graham, Jordan Scott, um, Austin Fowlu. So, I mean, it's just all over the place there, these guys. So if you just – like if you believe in in their ability to develop and, and you believe that these guys are all going to have taken a step forward, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic here. I also think, like you said, hanging on to – I don't think I would be – talking about an over right now if they hadn't held on to Jim Levitt. I agree. So I think that's a to have some continuity there is huge. And like you said, I mean Justin Herbert is he might he might be like the runaway best quarterback in the country. Like it might it might be a type of season where it's not even close. Like he's the clear number one draft pick. He's the clear you know he may be a Heisman front runner. Um and I mean, so if, if, you, if he takes down one or both of Stanford or Washington at home, then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm with you, um, on Oregon and, you know, I think the looking at what they did last year with Herbert and without him is pretty, I think, telling too, you know, I mean, like if he stays healthy last year, I mean, what's their record? I don't know. Maybe they had two more wins. Um, so, so I think, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm on a nine and three, I got them losing to Stanford, losing to Washington and losing 
guess where? At Utah. Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I don't have them winning either of those, but, but I kind of have them winning every game they're supposed to win with the exception. I guess they'll probably be, they may be favored in Utah. But, uh, but I've got them winning pretty much every game they're supposed to win. And I'm with you. I, 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 think, I think if you – I mean, whether you believe in Cristobal as a head coach, like there is, there is reason to believe in him because he's had success at FIU. And at the very least, like there's, there's a reason to have a lot of, a lot of belief in his, uh, in his assistant coaches. And, and they're, they're recruiting at a really high level. So there's, there's, some, there's some upward trajectory here. I mean, the, the – the trajectory line is still pointing up for Oregon. Jim Levitt, uh, the, I trust player development on the defensive side of the ball under Jim Levitt because he got uh, a senior class at Colorado to a like win the Pac-12 South level at Colorado. Yeah, I mean that yeah. that entire defense came in. They they were all thrown into the fire early, and by the time they were juniors and seniors. You know they were they were some of the the best players in the conference, and so if if we see anything like that, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, I like Oregon. All right, well let's yep. let's keep it in the north. Stanford's numbers at eight, um, and uh, well, I'll, you go first on this one. Okay, well, I'm I'm a enthusiastic over. Uh, I still, I mean, I I have them eight. Like I. I cannot see Stanford only winning seven. So worst case, you get a push here. But I like the over because this like this offense is is kind of sick. Like this could be as, as good of an offense as there is in the country. People who have listened to our podcast know how much we felt, or certainly I felt like that KJ Costello should have been the guy pretty much all year last year. Right. So assuming he's healthy and like, uh, there's, I guess an element here of let's make sure the quarterbacks are healthy because he and Davis Mills both missed spring practice. Uh, but assuming KJ Costello is healthy, they're a good team with him at quarterback. He, they'll, they'll be, I think a, a more sound quarterback, the quarterback position than they've been in a couple of years. Bryce love no, you know, no need to, to even discuss, uh, but he'll be a Heisman front runner. Colby Parkinson, Trent Irwin, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Caden Smith. Like, those are great Stanford-level options. And then they've got this great offensive line that, that's, that's, uh, that's going to take a step forward from last year, too. So when you're looking at Stanford offenses traditionally, I can't, I can't think of one that's more well-rounded and balanced than, than this one. Given multiple tight end options that are elite – a big receiver on the outside, some some dynamic playmakers, including Bryce Love. I, I just think offensively they are loaded, and I've got a little bit of concern. Like I don't think you can just chalk it up and say Stanford will be Stanford on defense because they they didn't look like Stanford a lot last year. Like they gave up some points last year, um, but they've got a really good secondary. I, I love Elijah Holder who was who missed a lot of last year. They've got good linebackers and. You know, if that defensive front can just sort of evolve into a Stanford defensive front, I, I like it. So, I got them at nine, nine and three. I got them losing at Notre Dame, at Washington, at UCLA, last game of the year. Uh, but I don't. I am surprised to see that number as low as it is. I feel like the Stanford team is is pretty loaded. Uh, 
David Shaw has been at Stanford since 2011, seven seasons. They have finished lower than eight regular season wins once. They yeah. have they have played in four of the last six Pac-12 championship games, and I have no idea why a team that's returning the Heisman Trophy front runner and like that was that was my first sentence in the write up was I I don't understand why a team that's had this much sustained success uh, over the last like two like almost we're almost at the eight year mark with David Shaw and the the eight and five season is the aberration. And right. I don't look at this roster and see an aberration coming. Now, I will say when I started to go down the schedule, uh, you know, you have to feel you have to feel pretty good about being able to to take them if you're going to jump all the way up to ten wins. And I I was not there. Um, I, and we're going to get to Notre Dame later on, but that's that's a team I just don't have a good feel for right now. No, I agree. Yeah, and so I I really um was sort of you know furrowing my brow over that one. But at eight, come on, man. Yeah. No, this is like I I I need to I need to do some research on this, but I can't off the top of my head. It doesn't feel like there's a more more talented offensive unit that Stanford has had under David Shaw. So I don't know. I don't know why we think that they can't get to eight or nine wins. Um, assuming their defense can just keep pace. So yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm heavy on the over. All right, let's see. We got Oregon taken care of. Let's see. Are we, are we finally to Utah? Oh yeah, baby. All right. Utah set at seven wins, marked down in Barton's notebook with at least 14 based on all the... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we talked about Utah at home. Uh, they get Washington, Stanford. They have Washington, Stanford, and Oregon out of the Pac-12 North. That is a as tough of a draw for a Pac-12 South team as it gets. Um facing the the top three teams from the other division but uh i i think that uh oh hey you you go first well so a i do i I think this is a tough schedule i mean first of all at northern northern illinois in week two is no joke i mean that's a tough week two game is it yeah do you remember what northern what like uh I just saw Duke turn Northern Illinois to mincemeat. Well, Northern Illinois, they beat Nebraska last year at Nebraska. True. Remember, that was sort of the beginning of the end for Mike Riley. True. They, they nearly beat Boston College in week, in week one in just sort of this ugly 20-23 game. They've got, they've got like the best offensive line and the best defensive line in the MAC probably. And they got this kid Sutton Smith who's a st- – like I just – when you're going – to Northern Illinois, when you're going to Tacab, Illinois, like that's, and I don't know. I just think that's going to be a kind of a lazy, maybe rainy late afternoon. Yeah, and, and I just I could see that that being ugly. So that's a that's a potential loss there. I think they lose to Washington. I think they lose at Stanford. And then I've got them winning, like like I said, I've got them beating USC. I've got them beating Oregon because because I think they're really good at home. They got Arizona at home on a Friday night. Win. I think they're winning that. Win. Uh, yeah, I mean you know, yeah. And so I've got them at I've got them over at eight and four, and and I think look, 
a couple reasons. And and this will be an interesting year because remember, Kyle Whittingham sort of handed the keys over offensively to Troy Taylor to make him a little more spready. And that's not really Utah's identity in the past. And so in year two in the in the in the spread-esque transition, like is this going to be a breakout year where like all of a sudden this offense is is just tough for everybody to deal with, which is I think a very real possibility. But like then what does that do for your defense? Or is this going to be like a all right, man? What what have you done to us, Kyle? Because we used to be this dominant defense, and now we can't k- k- catch our breath. And now teams are scoring a lot of points on us. And we're playing in shootouts, and so I'm just curious whether the identity of this team starts to really shift this year. But this is probably my favorite defensive secondary in the country. Whether it's the best, I don't know, but it's like my favorite. I love Corian Ballard and Marquise Blair as like these big, huge hitters in the uh, at safety. Jalen Johnson's a stud as a, as a true sophomore. Javelin Guidry is like one of these five nine speed demons. They got Chase Hansen, who moved down from safety to linebacker. And then they've always got defense alignment. So I like their defense just because it's a Utah defense. And then I'm a big Tyler Huntley guy at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be good. Uh, and then I sort of trust Troy Taylor offensively to, to manufacture points. And so all that to say, I, I think seven is a I'm, seven is a tasty number to me. Um, if it was eight, it'd be a little tougher for me to pull the trigger on. But I feel like this is a comfortable over for me at seven. I think they can get to nine and three. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got to nine and three. Um, and, and it's going to be one of these uh, where like the the right wins. They're they're going to have to go to Northern Illinois and win that game to be nine and three. But I, it's going to be like the the right wins. I think the Pac twelve South is going to be just head to head tiebreaker central in November where. Because Utah has USC and Arizona, you get those wins, and those wins are huge for being able to have the tiebreakers, and having the tiebreakers, therefore, can do a little bit to offset whatever losses you might take against Washington, Stanford, and Oregon. If Utah can get one of that Washington, Stanford, Oregon, and both USC and Arizona, like those, those are the five key games that I identified, and I said if they can win three of those five, then they can go nine and three. Pac-12 South is funky now, man. Like, it's, there's a lot of teams that can beat each other in that division. Uh, and so I, I think that Utah is, is as stable as any of them to sort of weather that storm. Um, but that's going to be a really interesting division to see what happens. But I'm with you. I have, a, I have an 8-4 and four with the loss in Northern Illinois. Uh, Ari- so, so I'm with you on nine and three. Uh, Arizona, I, apologies to the Wildcats. Uh, their number's at seven and five. Um like there, there is a lot of reason to be excited about Kevin Sumlin taking over a team that has Khalil Tate with Khalil Tate, uh, potentially being able to take yet another step in how effective that he can be not just over a month, but over an entire 12 game season. Is it like, is it more complicated than looking at Arizona and thinking that Sumlin plus Tate equals some kind of fireworks? Like before we even get to the win total, like it, that, that, I don't see much of a chance of that not at least being entertaining. I mean, I don't see much of a chance of Khalil Tate not being entertaining, no matter who the coach is. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I just, 
I don't. I can't figure. I don't. I don't know what to think about Arizona. This, this was the, probably the hardest one for me, because I don't. Yeah, like I think Khalil Tate would be really good, but then I think you do look at the way that Arizona finished last year as teams started to figure out how to defend Khalil Tate, and it was a lot. It was a lot tougher road for for them and for him. And so was that just a minor blip, and then he accelerates again into 2018 or was that more of like all right look that there's a reason why he wasn't starting over um what's his name brandon uh dawkins dawkins um and so so i don't know i'm the the other like this is another team like they played freshmen everywhere on defense last year and so these guys should be improved um you know, Marcel Yates stayed there as the defensive coordinator, so there's not some turnover at, at, at defense. Uh, they'll run the same system. So, so I don't know. I've got – I actually have them under, and I've got them at 6-6. Six and six. Wow. I don't feel great about that, but I also feel like they are one of the more vulnerable teams in terms of a team I can see losing some of these swing games. Uh, you know, I've got them losing to USC. I've got them losing at Utah on a Friday night. I've got them losing at UCLA. UCLA is going to catch some of these teams. They're not UCLA is not just going to get boat raced every week. I got them losing to Oregon, and then I've got them losing last game of the year to Arizona State. So yeah, that, that's that's another swing game. That's a home game. That's a maybe that's a, makes them seven and five if they win that one. But those other ones, and then I also have them losing at at Houston because that's going to be a Super Bowl for Houston week week two. Uh, with with Ed Oliver chasing Khalil Khalil Tate, that's gonna be a fun matchup. Oh, that's gonna be a really fun matchup. Uh, so I don't know, man. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not, I am not saying that with confidence, but I just feel like this is a team that is. I don't know that Kevin Sumlin like. I don't know. I don't know what what is Kevin Sumlin. Like Kevin Sumlin didn't inspire a lot of confidence in. in College Station. How all right? Well, how uh, how do you feel about uh, the Arizona wide receivers? They're uh, to me. They're like these sort of slotty. Because um, I was thinking athletic. that we could get the uh, the RPO quick game going with Khalil Tate. Sure. Yeah. That, but, that but feels Khalil very Tate's- Kevin. That feels like Kevin Sumlin wanting to be able to 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 build all these packages that involve quick slants and outs, and you know you just you just keep sort of chipping away at it, and then hope that the the big play breaks and Tate runs for a sixty yard touchdown. Have we talked about the, the near kin Niamatololo hire for Arizona? Have I given you my 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 opinion on that? Oh, I th- no, you have not. So Khalil Khalil Tate basically like squashed that hire when he was when he tweeted out, "I, I want to be an no option, triple option, or whatever he said." And I, that that could that that was potentially going to happen. And so, but there was such a sort of a pushback from. Khalil Tate and from sort of this I guess the Arizona community but that would if if, if Kenny Amatololo was there Khalil Tate's a Heisman Trophy candidate winner and he's like that's the perfect system for him it's not he's not under center just like you know reverse fake handoff like it's not like it's not it's it's a it's more of an Oregon triple option anyways it would have been at Arizona than some like old school Air Force Navy stuff and and I think he would have been unbelievable in that and last year was a great offense for him too with rich rodriguez 
you know, his background really running a, a true like quarterback run system. And Kevin Sumlin will be good for him and they'll develop him as a passer. And I'm not saying that it's like a bad thing for Khalil Tate to have Kevin Sumlin there, but it wasn't as at, but it's not better than Rich Rodriguez, right? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's not a, is, is it a, like Rich Rodriguez has made his entire career around run first quarterbacks. Kevin Sumlin has, is wants to be a pass first guy with, with an athletic quarterback. I just don't know why the assumption is that it's a better situation for Khalil Tate under Kevin Sumlin than it would have been under Rich Rodriguez and certainly under Ken Niamatololo. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking them in the, you know, in the Rose Bowl just yet. Um, I think that there, and first of all, I, I wrote this for CBS Sports. Uh, I had Arizona at over seven and a half. I have since made an adjustment uh, in one particular game. We'll get to that in a little bit. And that's, uh, so I'm actually, my stance for the podcast is an under. You will not hear me mention this on our locks podcast because it is a big time stay away game for me. And the last thing I would add for Kevin Sumlin is that I think that there is an opportunity for some Kevin Sumlin redemption here. If sure. what, whatever made me and a lot of the rest of football really believe that Kevin Sumlin was the kind of coach that, you know, was going to end up in the NFL one day. Right. He he's got a real he's got a great talent and an opportunity at Arizona where I mean, let's be honest, scrutiny ain't there like it is at College Station. If you want right. to go in there and if you want to cook and if you want to try and just show the the scheming, the the play design, the coaching ball, if you want to get back to, you know, the 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 type of stuff that you were doing like you're not going to have the same kind of obligations. Life is going to be much more like when you were a coordinator at Oklahoma than it was when you were a head coach at Texas A&M. So no, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I, I think that if, if there's a chance that that happens, that said again, I'm going Arizona uh, seven and five. All right, let's bounce down to Washington state six and a half. Washington state loses Alex Grinch. Uh, loses Luke Falk, no Cody O'Connell, no Hercules Mataafa. Um, I I think that this is a year that really tests the sustained success, the longevity, the you know how plug and play is Washington State at this point in Mike Leach's tenure. Yeah, this is not a. I mean, this is a, this is a comfortable under to me. Mm-hmm, me too. I mean, I got him at four and eight. I just, I, I, I just think like, and the other like, you mentioned some of their losses. You also talk about Mike Leach was Going basically to out the door to Tennessee. Yeah. Like that, that's you don't just like that doesn't happen, and then you just come back and everything's a okay. And and so, I think when you throw that in, I also think the Tyler Holinsky thing that that suicide that has to affect a team like that has to really shake a team to its core and and I just think mentally and emotionally that's a tough thing to just shake off and just get back to working out and so I think that is a factor I think I just think there's there's a lot of I mean what like again you talk about Alex Grinch gone they got Gardner Minshew as their as their potential starter uh who's a grad transfer from East East Carolina um there's some good players on this team, but 
all those offensive linemen gone, I just I, – I, if someone's going to have a, a, a cycle down year, all the signs point to Washington State. And that's not to say that every time someone plays Washington State, it's not a dangerous game. But I've got them, I've got them winning at, East, at San Jose State at Eastern, or, or against San Jose State against Eastern Washington. I got them beating Oregon State. And then I just I, – I, I had them stealing a win somewhere else on the line. So I, I picked, a, I picked a, a, a cow game at home. Um, but I'm, I think four and eight is, is a pretty reasonable expectation to me. If, if you don't even look – at, I mean, I would never suggest a blind uh, wager, but I, I kind of feel like on vibes alone, you could be like, mm, Washington State, will they meet expectations? I'm guessing no. Like just right. just yeah. based on the mood around <laughs> yeah. the program you don't right even have now. have to look at what the expectation is. Like, the, like, don't even tell me what the expectation is, but they're not going to meet it. They're not like, going to they, meet like, it. Yes. There's just too many things that are that, – that's – are too many obstacles here uh, for them to meet expectations. Like, think about it. So six and a half is the number. If you're trying to get to seven, who are you beating there? Oh, oh, and by the way, I had him losing at Wyoming in week one. I, I was going to um, say the isn't is like is I know that uh, your boy Bo Baldwin's gone, but isn't Eastern Washington even going to be a challenge? That's very Washington State to lose your FCS game <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean they they even when they're good, they have trouble right. with the FCS teams. Um, so I don't know, like if finding seven games on the schedule for a Washington state team is, is a tough task to me. Yeah. Wait, oh, what was the expectation? Yeah. Washington state. I don't think it, not feeling <laughs> right. it. Um, this is, this was a really interesting number. Cal at five and a half. Uh, I think that it's interesting because there's, there's been a, there was a three, and zero start for Justin Wilcox, a lot of positive momentum. Um, then the, the rest of the season set in and, I, they finished with a five and seven record. This set at five and a half to to get to a bowl game would feel uh, very very big. They are in the tougher half of the conference. In my not the we said the Pac-12 South is funky. I think the the top heavy nature of the Pac-12 North makes it harder for a team like Cal to be able to to break through and make big jumps up. So I I ask you, Barton. I, I agree, regardless of your pick. Well, not agree. I believe that Cal will be a better football team, that they will be better, but I think that six wins is going to be tough. I, yeah, I, I, I picked them over, um, and I've actually got them at seven and five. Wow. I mean, first of all, they're, are you 100% start- sure that they're going to beat North Carolina week one? I wouldn't say I'm 100% sure, but I, I, I like them to go 3-0 and to start the season. Gotcha. I mean, they've got – look, Ross Bowers, first-year starter, he had over 3,000 yards passing, and they, they returned their leading rusher. Um, they were not I healthy think, last year. They got crushed by injuries. And they had some – right, and they had some, some good young players that got experience, particularly on defense as well. Um, so, I, I look, I was – I did not think that the Justin Wilcox hire was impressive when it happened. I was not optimistic, but he was like one of the more pleasant surprises out there last year. That team was good. I mean, they like you think about what happened. You know, they they started three and zero last year, including a couple games no one really expected them to win at North Carolina and against Ole Miss. 
they hung in there with USC. They were like beating Oregon at halftime, and then Oregon sort of exploded in the second half, if I remember correctly. You know, they had they laid an egg against Washington, and they, and that's kind of you know, Colorado took it to them a little bit, but beyond that, like everything was respectable, and I don't know that anyone really even expected that last year. So I'm I am under the impression that this is a really good staff. I'm under the impression they're going to take a step forward. I like what they've done from an evaluation standpoint. This is a little bit about just belief in the direction of this program, and they have 18 starters returning, 17 now that now that Demetrius Robertson has transferred out, but 10 offensive starters returning or nine offensive starters returning, I guess. I mean, those are, I think those are encouraging numbers. So I've got them, um, I've got them beating UCLA. I've got them beating. Oregon State, I picked that Washington upset. Obviously, that's a reach. Uh, and then I've got to be in Colorado. So, yeah, I guess 7-5, 6-6 range. But basically, I'm, what I'm calling is for them to upset somebody and then be a team that's sort of a, a competent Big 12 or Pac-12 North team here for, for the latter half of the season. I believe that with the returning experience, they will be better. But when I was, when I was having to do my balance, you know, trying to figure out you know, make make all the math work. I think Cal fell on the short end of this. It feels like a team that I would not be surprised to finish six and six, but uh, I picked them at five and seven. Yeah, so they were five and seven last year, and I think they'll be better. And so that's why I I, I picked the over. But I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand on the table and 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 uh, I'm not gonna die on the Cal Hill. Uh, but there, I think I I, I I've got some. I'm encouraged by what I've seen out of them. I think that a six-win season for UCLA would be a huge achievement for Chip Kelly. Yeah. You, you talked me out of this one. You and I had talked before I wrote this uh, for CBSSports.com. I am – I uh, – would you – did, didn't you say that there's just yeah yeah I, yeah yeah I've got some, like I'm having a hard time with UCLA. So one one of the things that sort of started to shift my opinion a little bit is um like I don't really love the way they're recruiting because they're like they're a little bit right now in this 2019 cycle they're a little bit like we're gonna out evaluate people we don't have to play the like you know love up love up these kids like we're just gonna we're not gonna recruit like everybody else we're just going to be sort of take the business approach and take the nfl model and just impress guys with our presentation and so i don't love what they're doing in terms of who they're attracting but i heard recently that like one of the top prospects in the country who got on campus and all these kids basically care about is how much how many times you're dming them and what kind of graphic on twitter you're sending them and like just sort of this superficial stuff right but UCLA is not doing that, and that's why – and you kind of have to play that game. But when, when they've gotten kids on campus, like they've been apparently incredibly impressive with their plan for development, their plan for diet and sleep, and their plan for, uh, for, for what's going to happen on the field. And just this like – I think they are – I think Chip Kelly is the real deal as a coach. I think he is good enough to – to have this team overachieving even despite all of its flaws. And then when you just look at the roster, like 
the, the receivers are pretty good. I mean, Diamond Lee and, and Theo Howard and Dimitri Felton and guys like that are, I mean, those are athletic guys. Caleb Wilson was hurt half of last year, but when he played, he was as good a tight end as there was in the country. Their offensive line is bad. Yeah, the trenches are not good. Yes, but, you know, let's assume that maybe they can piece piecemeal something together. Can we? I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm saying like let's assume they they can make them not horrible, right? <laughs> That's not, and then when you look at the defense, they still have Darnay Holmes, you know, a, a, a Darius Pickett, you know, they got Jalen Phillips. I don't love their defense either, but you just there, there's all these little like like sort of speckles of these uh, of you know, kind of flashes of gold here as you're looking in on the roster, and so all that to say. I'm not ready to start calling for them to be like a four-win team or a three-win team or something. I, I got them pushing at five wins, but I could see them getting to over. I could see them figuring out a way to get to six and six. And I sort of surprised, surprised myself at how dismissive I w- was of, of this team earlier. So I don't know. I got that's, that's, a, that's I, not exactly like a full-throated like – uh, endorsement of UCLA, but it is like a little bit more optimism than yeah. I once had. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that there is a single uh, guaranteed win on the schedule. I think. Yeah, the schedule's tough too. I think every single game for UCLA is going to be a fight, and I do think that you know Chip Kelly's a fantastic coach. The guy was forty-six and seven as a head coach. Like he, he, there will be, there will be games that are won. There will be players that are developed. Uh, there will be moments where the uh, with the razor thin margin for error in college football, the difference will be that one sideline has Chip Kelly and the other one doesn't. But I don't think with this roster that there is going to be enough of that. Um, I mean, when when the exiting staff and the current staff are both out here like, I don't know, man. It's going to be a while before UCLA is back at it. <laughs> like, I just... You're right. That kind, of, that kind of consistency and narrative is not something that we see with a lot of coaching changes. And so I just... Yeah, when a very tough schedule, uh, not liking what I see in the trenches. UCLA came up in on the short end of a lot of my toss-up games when I was going through and uh, trying to divvy out the wins. And so... Uh, I, I've got under, and if I felt better, I think I would even only get to push under. Right. I mean, UCLA, if UCLA goes five and seven, they'll be considered a bad team. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like if you're picking five wins for UCLA, that suddenly you think like Chip Kelly comes in and is, 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 is overnight turned things around. Like five and seven is not a good record at right. UCLA. So I still think like you can find five wins or I can find five wins and still say, all right, this is a this is not a team that is not there yet, um, but they've shown flashes, and 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 you can sort of pencil a win in because of of, of Chip Kelly. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with the push. So if if you're taking the over on UCLA, you know, buyer beware. Um, so this is this this next one. I got to give uh, I got to give a shout out to podcast listener and uh, good friend Blaine. He pitched me on this last week, and I told him, I was like, well, we're about to record win totals, so I got to give you the credit on this. And I want to I ask you the same question. Is Arizona State over the value play 
of the college football season? I don't know. This was another one I had a really hard time with. I was sitting there. This was like one of the last ones I picked. So I've been sort of marking all my wins and losses down on these other schedules. And then I get to Arizona State and they're like, you know, they got all these L's next to their name because that was just a swing game that I, I sent other ways. But it's a scary way. To, it's a scary under to play because this offense is stacked. So, and this this is a team that won six Pac-12 games last year, and they bring yeah. back Manny Wilkins. They bring back Neil Harry. Uh, you, like to to think that there would be uh, a massive drop off um, right now with a team that returns so much. They won seven games, six of them in conference play. To think that all of a sudden the bottom's just going to fall out because yeah, like th- there is not an overwhelming amount of confidence in Arizona State in in the Herm Edwards experience across the landscape. But I mean, it, Herm Edwards can talk to this group of veterans like pros, and he like he doesn't need to to sell them like he needs to sell a seventeen or eighteen year old because these are going to be Arizona State players that are trying to get to the league. Like he can. I think that he can connect with this group. And then this was Blaine's other argument. He's like, but then in 2019, that's when you start expecting the bottom to drop out. Well, all right. But here, here's the, here's the counter argument to being bullish on this. Like, I think it's, this is another one where, all right, if you're picking the over on Arizona state, I w- I'm not ready to call it a value play because think about who they got on their, like they got Michigan state out of conference. Yeah. They, go, they got at San Diego state. They're playing Washington and Stanford from the North. This is, it's just a like that was my issue with them. Is this just such a brutal schedule, um, and so I think I ended up with them at five and seven, and yet like I didn't. I mean, Manny Wilkins is really good, and even if he gets hurt, I think that they they think that their quarterbacks behind them are decent. They they return all their leading receivers, but they also lost some some pretty significant talent on defense, particularly on the defensive line. So. It's a it's a tough one to peg, and I, and I don't hate I don't hate the you know the thought process of, of like it's just sort of the it's a contrarian it's, it's a contrarian it, play it's contrarian but it's also like Arizona State's like a, is a little bit of a swing team like every like there there's a lot of toss up games I don't see a lot of surefire wins but I don't see a lot of surefire losses either so sure I think I could go either way and this is and there's this big X factor of Herm Edwards like is this guy real or not. Right. And it's like, what? What is this? Is this a, is this a coach or is Devils this, Digest? Or, yeah. Whoa, boy! I don't like them Devils. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, 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 I picked them push to under, mm-hmm. but I don't feel. I, this is a stay away team for me. I think that they can beat Arizona on the road, and uh, I think they beat Colorado. And I think they can be. Do they catch? They catch Utah, uh, not in Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's that's a that's a home Utah game. Um, yeah, I don't. So, what I, do you have them? What What was your pick on them? My, my initial pick was under. Um, and and I'm just I wanted to at least pr- provide the provide the the theory because I'm I might be on board with it come Locks podcast time. Well, and the other thing I like about. Arizona, like I mentioned, their, their quarterback and their receivers. I also think they have a good offensive line. I think Cole Cabral is really good. Um, you know, I, I, they have they have Roy Hemsley, who is a transfer from USC, who I think has got a chance to be really good. 
um, you know, Casey Tucker, the Stanford grad transfer. Like, there's, there's, there's reason to think offensively they got they could be really good, uh, but they had to replace their coordinators. You know, Billy Napier is not there. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, they. I'm, I'm pushed. I'm pushed under. They they won in Salt Lake City last year, so they beat yeah. Oregon State. It happens. Arizona, sometimes. Colorado, Washington, which we mentioned was a weird game. And they won. They beat Utah, and they beat Oregon. I mean, they lose to Mario Richard and Kalen Bellage. Yeah. So I mean, th- those guys, those guys rush. Those guys are a pretty scary one-two punch at, at running back. And they lose. You know, they lose JoJo Wicker and Tashawn Smallwood and DJ Calhoun, and they're like, there's some, there's some, there's some ballers that aren't there anymore on defense. Uh, all right, we're starting to get near the the end of the line. It's always tough when you're picking over under for a team that the expectation is set at won't make a bowl game. Uh, Colorado's numbers at four. I, Colorado was a loss or was a win for a lot of teams as I was going through. And then when I when I actually started looking at Colorado, I liked them better than I thought I would. Really. And so I'm I'm actually at over like four is such a is such an enticing number and I've got them over four. I think four is the the number. You got you think that's what they that's you think that's what they hit? Yeah, four? I'm push under. So I'm over. Yeah. Because I think look, I think they'll beat Colorado State. They'll beat New Hampshire. And then I think they and they beat Oregon State. All right. So you're right there, you're at three. And can you find two more games? I think they beat Washington State. I think they're a better team than Washington State this mm. year. And then I've got them, you know, pick pick your other upset somewhere. But I, I've actually got them beating Utah at home. But look, they've got I think Steven Montez is remember, he was hurt last year. Some and he also he he played for uh, their departed uh, you know the who I can't remember the guy's name now uh, I actually liked him a lot from the um, 2016 season Montez had to come in and uh, play like three or four games during that year flashed and 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 was good last year when he played and so I I just think he is I think he's I think Steven Montez has a chance to be really good this year they've got a bunch of these sort of athletic i mean they, they've sort of turned they're they're more of a spread offense now and they've they've got a lot of athletes at receiver i think they've recruited at a decent level there and then across the board at at on defense i think they're bubbling up some good players davion taylor is a juco kid that's one of the freakiest athletes in the country um you know they've i, I just as i started looking at this team i liked them more and I think that they're they're too good to only win four games. I don't think Colorado State's a win. I don't think Nebraska's a win. UCLA and Arizona State get really interesting, but I mean this could be a team that's one in five heading into the back half of the schedule. I don't think they will be though. Like I well UCLA, Arizona State, uh Oregon State, Arizona Cal. So, like, do you think Colorado and Arizona are in the same bucket? Because I, I have, yeah, Ari- I, I, I've got Arizona definitively a step above uh, Colorado, and that game's uh, in Tucson. But reg- like, if on a neutral field, I think I favor Arizona by seven and a half. I think they're. Cl- I think that they are on a neutral field. I think they're. It's it's more of a 
two and a half, three point difference. Wow. On the spread. You to really? Me, so to in me. my opinion, then that sounds like you really, you like, you like Colorado a lot more than I do then. I do. I think that, I, yes, I do. Just enough. Remember, in, this just just like, enough information to be dangerous. If if yeah, I know. <laughs> if if we think if we think Mike McIntyre is a good coach, you know that's the same guy that turned San Jose State from from zero to ten and two or whatever he did at San Jose State, and then he got this program rolling with the help of Jim Levitt, and and two years ago they were ten and four. Step back after they lost all those guys. Well. This year, again, their quarterback situation is 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 good, not just solid, but I think good. And then if we just if we just think that they are developing guys appropriately, I just think they're too good to not. I think there's 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 not there's better than four wins here. It is not totally fair for news reports and scandal to always impact the way that I view the on-field product. But my opinion of Mike McIntyre. Uh, quickly changed. He was named the coach of the year by most organizations. And then in like the next six months, we found out about uh, the he, a staff member uh, abuse allegations and yeah. some big time questions about whether or not uh, Mac, Mike McIntyre and that Colorado staff handled them properly. I, yep. uh, I don't, I don't make those a, a direct factor, but it does make me, it does change. It, it changes the way that I view Oh well, Mike McIntyre will figure it out. He's a coach of the year, right? Right. So yeah, and his persona is a little bristly and like not that likable, also. And so that that's like, yeah, I'm not like a pro hire Mike McIntyre guy, but I'm also a I respect what he's done. What he's done, what yeah. his body of work is. Agree. All right, let's. Uh, Jonathan Smith. Woo, buddy! It's a uh, it's a tough. Tough start for Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, having to open the year in Columbus against Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeez. that's. I got two wins on the schedule. I got Southern Utah and at Nevada, and at Nevada is going to be a, probably a tricky game. <laughs> I mean, I just think this is a pro, like the Pac-12 is a is a conference with a lot of parity, and a lot of teams can beat a lot of other teams, and. Then there's Oregon State, yeah. who I think is a step below. I mean, they they return eight starters on defense, and I think some of those guys are pretty good players. Um, but I just, to me, like it feels like Jonathan Smith is taking over a reconstruction project, and this is going to be year one, and it's going to be about close close losses and improvement and taking strides, and then we'll see what happens year two. Mm. I've uh, I've got him over here. I think really. So who do you have on beaten? Um, I said I've got the the two or one of the two, uh, no two non-con wins. What'd you say? Southern Utah and Nevada. Yeah, yeah. And then I think they get one of either Cal at home or Colorado on the road. And that and that again goes back to me just you know may, maybe I am not. I haven't gotten the opportunity or at least didn't have the the prior knowledge to look at, at Colorado's roster and dig into it and start to feel better than I did based on my initial assumption on where that program is right now. But yeah, I think that uh, getting Cal at home and Colorado on the road, they win two non-con games and, and one of those two, then I think they can get it. I mean, they showed, was it the Washington game where they showed a lot of fight and they had that game low scoring early? 
Yeah, I mean, they had they w- when they made the coaching change last year, they had they had some really strong performances. Like, I mean, they played Stanford really close. You know, they played they had close loss to to Cal. Um, was it wa- Washington? They got blown out last year, but there there were some there were some positive moments last year. But I don't know. I just don't know if they're if they're ready yet to take the to, to take the monumental step to three wins <laughs> 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 to go from one all the way to three. <laughs> all right. So uh, chips on the over. Martin's on the under for uh, for the beeves. and uh, and and that's a Pac-12. You want to let's see. So to review, Arizona State um, under. And then uh, a push under or a push over. I'm waffling all over the place. Cal, yeah. we got a Barton over, a chip under. Colorado, Barton over, chip under. Oregon, both of us on the over. Oregon State, chip over, Barton under. Stanford, both of us on the over. UCLA, we're both on the under, right? Or you uh, push? I was push. I was push. I was actually pushed over. Pushed over. Uh, I've got the under. I think that's about a four and eight. USC, I'm on the under, you're on the over, right? Yes. Uh, Utah, are we both on the over? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Washington, I'm on the over, I think that's 11-1. Barton, under. jumping off the bandwagon <laughs> that he laid down the track. He, he set up the signs, he drew the maps, showed the bandwagon how to get to the promised lands, and now he's jumping off. He's going under, thinks Washington goes 10-5. And, and then Washington State on vibes alone, just nah, not going to meet expectations. Both of us on the under. Hard under there. That might be my favorite one of this of the conference, is under Washington State 6.5. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you don't, you, you don't just get back off that plane from Knoxville and everything's hunky-dory. Right, right. Come no. on back, coach. Yeah, let's go win some games. Nah. <laughs> uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Please subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. We appreciate all of your comments, all of your reviews, all of your ratings. Five stars because we give you that top-quality five-star content. Uh, we're going to keep it going. More win totals coming soon. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.